I must have had 15 sermons in my mind, but I didn't have peace. And the peace of God is the empire in my life whenever I allow. I don't try to do my own thing and then get him to bless it later, right? So, not looking for sympathy or anything, but uh, 10 after 4 this morning, I laid down. I slept like a baby. I had peace. Amen. In Numbers chapter 22... Way back in the old stuff. Jesus said all of his teachers would uh, glean from the old and the new. There's a story in Numbers 22 about a man named Balaam. And he was... uh, He was a warlock, I guess. Not a witch, you know, but a a man, yeah, like a warlock. Thing is, he believed in God, our God, but he did other things too. And our God is a jealous God, you see. No others besides him. The Israelites had come out of Egypt... They were, they had God with them, so they were kicking some tail. Mm-hmm. The walls of Jericho had fallen, and they destroyed everybody in it, except a prostitute named Rahab and her family, because they helped, they helped their people. She became one of the great grandmothers of Jesus. Praise God. Religious folks don't like to talk about that. (laughs) So sad. I think it's awesome. Gives me hope. (laughs) I'm going to skip over this a little bit. Balak was the king of Moab. He knew that the Israelites were coming. He was scared, shaking in his boots. He called for this sorcerer to come and curse the Israelites so that he might be able to whoop And so he sent for him. So the elders of Moab, in the seventh verse, and the elders of Midian departed with the fees for divination in their hands. So they're going to go pay this guy to do this thing, right? They came to Balaam and gave him Balak's message, the king's message. And he said to them, lodge here tonight, and I'll bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So he's going to go ask God about it. That was smart. Amen. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam, and God came to Balaam and said, who are these men with you? You know, when God asks you a question, (laughs) it's not because he doesn't know the answer already. All right. And Balaam said to God, who told you you were naked? <laughs> and Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, 
king of Moab has sent me, saying, Behold, the people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the earth. Now come curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam went and told him what he said. He said, I can't. He won't let me. <laughs> and the, Balak, uh, the, the king Balak, he tried again. Because they went and told him what happened. They said he refused. And in the 15th verse, once again, Balak sent princes more in number and more honorable than these. You see, trying to impress him. Fear of man brings a snare. And so does the love of money, folk. And so they went to him. And they told him, let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I surely do the great honor... I will surely do you great honor, and whatever you say to me, I will do. In other words, I'm going to make you rich, dude. Come on. Come, curse this people for me. But Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of the Lord my God to do less or more. So, Right up to now, he's doing perfectly. But watch this. So you two, please, stay here tonight. That I might know what more the Lord might say to me. Might, maybe he'll change his mind. <laughs> I sure hope he does. That's what he's thinking, right? Otherwise, why even go ask again? Me, I don't like saying, I don't like repeating myself. God doesn't either. And God came to Balaam that night and said to him, If the men you have come, who have come to call you rise, go with them. If the men have come to call you, rise and go with them. But only do what I tell you. So now he tells him, go ahead. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. Check this out, verse 22. This is something that was a stumbling block for me when I first started absorbing this word. Night and day, 16 hours a day for three years. I couldn't get past this scripture right here until the Lord talked to me about it. So he told him, go with him, right? And then in verse 22, but God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way of his adversary. And I'm not going to go on about this, but he used Balaam's donkey to talk to him. <clears throat> Verse 30. And the donkey said to Balaam, <laughs> what happened is he's on his way and the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword. And the donkey saw him, but Balaam couldn't. And so the donkey went out in the field, and then he got onto him, he hit him with his stick. It happened again. The angel of the Lord was in a more narrow passage. Three times he did this, right? And then the, the donkey like kind of crushed Balaam's foot up against the wall, trying to protect him, and he hit him again. And then the donkey said, 
to Balaam in verse 30. Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden all your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. He answers the donkey. (laughs) Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed down and fell on his face. Smart. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. No need to go any further because that's the point I want to make. I told God, I said, I don't understand. You told this guy to go and then you got mad at him when when he went. How do I know what to trust? You know, what's going on with you? (laughs) Have I got to be worried about that sort of thing? I really didn't understand. And that's fair. You can go to God with stuff you don't get. And he showed me that it was... You know, there's a scripture that says, We look on the outer appearance of man, but God looks on the heart. He knows us. He knows everything about us. He knew that Balaam was not going just to do what God told him. He was going in hopes of getting the money. His motive meant everything. And that's what made his way perverse before the God, before God. And that, I had to really think on that a lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I talked about last week in the third verse, it says, if you have not loved you gain nothing. In other words, you can give everything you have to the poor. You can give your body. You can give give all your, your strength and your resources and everything else. But if you don't do it motivated by love, it doesn't profit you anything. And then I, I showed you where Jesus, they asked Jesus in the last week of his life. He said, they're trying to trap him, these religious leaders of the day. And what's the most important commandment? And he said to love the Lord your God with all your strength and love others as yourself. He said that sums up the whole Old Testament. It all hangs on that peg. <clears throat> and so we understand that and we understand that it's all about love. But, you know, the way that we get there is very important. This is the difference between religion and relationship with Jesus, folks. You can't try harder to love God. I'm trying. You can't try harder and and achieve it to love people. People aren't that lovely. Not always. Some of you are. The kind of love that God wants from us is His kind of love, agape love, this unconditional love. It's not a feeling necessarily, usually. (laughs) It's a choice. Yeah. It's just a choice to trust God and do things His way. Mm Mm-hmm. 
the way, though, for us to enter into that kind of love, the only way that we can share that kind of love is to receive it first. Yeah? It has to be dealt out of the overflow of your heart. There are scriptures... Everybody wants more. They go to church. They want more. I want. I, want, I already know that. Give me. Give me more. Give me something nobody ever heard before. Give me. Give me some new revelation. A lot of times you can get into heresy that way, folks. I've heard preachers get up and expound on things because they wanted to, and they give themselves the titles. And they expound on things that just don't make a bit of sense. And they're not God. And it's just they wanted to have something different and new. And they came up with something. Forgive me. My point is this. You know John 3.16? If you don't know it by heart, you see it hanging on the streamers at the football games or whatever. Back when we used to like football. (laughs) For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that right? For God so loved the world, He gave. You see? This is the most... The revelation or understanding of that Scripture is the most important understanding, revelation, knowledge that you can have as a believer. I'll tell you that right now. It doesn't mention anything in that scripture about your love for God, you see. It's not focused on your love for Him because His love isn't performance based and our love for him shouldn't be based upon fear or on works you know our actions what we do because you can never be good enough for God he don't love you because you love him <laughs> you might be lovely but compared to God mm-mm. Not apart from Jesus. But too many times in the church we have a we have a, a works message about loving God. It turns into a something you have to do. If you love God, you will go here and there, you will you will do this, you will give this. Then if we don't or we can't go and give and do, then we feel like well, I fell short. I'm not, I'm not loving God like I'm supposed to. You get into condemnation. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel accepted. You don't feel valued by God. And you just go back to where you are accepted. Let me tell you folks, that ain't how the church is supposed to be. I told you the story about Gandhi. How many millions upon millions of lives he affected you know, he wanted to be a Christian. When he was in prison, he read the Bible. He went to a Presbyterian missionary church over there somewhere in Africa. They wouldn't let him in. 
For the rest of his life, his testimony is, I would have been a Christian, but then I met one. And man, that ain't, that ain't good. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Mm-hmm. It's his nature. It's his character. It, all that he does is based upon his love, not our merits. He loves you because he is love. Amen. Our actions, whether they're good or bad, they don't affect God or His love for us one bit. What that what they do affect is your love for Him. How you react to Him. That's right. People don't believe that. No, I love God, yeah. You stay away from church. You get further away from work the word. You get further away from friends who talk about the Word. You get further away from friends who point you back to what Jesus said. You get further away from people who will pray for you and with you. You will not love God as much. I guarantee it. This world is totally screwed up. We are like a seesaw in our, in our mind and in our spiritual realm. You can't have it both ways. You cannot magnify the Lord and His promises and His love and everything that He's accomplished on your behalf. And You can't magnify that and all of the negative of the world at the same time. It's one end of that seesaw is up or the other. That's just the truth. <clears throat> Our mission, the point that I make my point, the focusing on God's love for you instead of on you needing to love God more, having an understanding or a revelation of His love for you, that's what brings you into a life of grace, folks. That's why it's so important, that scripture. And there are others like it, but that scripture... The point, the meaning of that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, you see. While we were still His enemies, it says, He died for us. How much more now will we be saved through His lives? Now that we've accepted Him. But our mission and our vision is is to make an impact with the love of God. Locally, in our homes, in our work, in our grocery stores, (laughs) nationally, and globally. This little body, that's that's the mission. That's the vision. And we will. We've got, there are a lot of ministers that you don't know yet. You'll be meeting some of them that are a part of this organization. And what you've got one that'll be coming to see you pretty soon. He's one of my best friends, and he's uh, he was just brought back from the dead recently, and uh, he's got two kids that were healed of terrible illnesses. Uh, he, he's uh, he walks in he walks in power and victory. And uh, he's a great man of God. You'll be meeting him for too long. 
Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 13. Everybody with me? All right. All right. So, I'm going to take a nap too when we leave here. I can't wait. I got to get this loaded up online, but then I'm out. <laughs> Turning the ringer off again. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 13. <clears throat> This is talking about when Jesus ascended, when He left here. When He went home and sat down at the right hand of the Father. He was finished. He had handed over all of His authority to us, to believers. And then He sent the Holy Ghost to help us, to come alongside us. But He gave gifts to men, to the church, when He ascended. What were they? He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the pastors, and teachers. The fivefold ministry. And here's why. To equip the saints, that's you. Not just the folks who the Pope says. Every born again person is a saint in God's eyes. That's in the Bible, folks. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. To equip the saints. To equip the believers for the work of the ministry. You see that? Well, I didn't know I had a part to play. I thought I got a a gold star just for showing up. (laughs) Check it off my list. And go back about my business. No. He gave the fivefold ministry to the body of Christ to prepare all of you... To do the work of the ministry. For for building up the body of Christ. You see that? Until we all attain the unity of the faith. There's another thing. All these divisions and schisms and denominations you see. These are divisions of man, not of God. He's not divided. Jesus prayed for unity on that faithful night. He's going to have it, folks. The real bride of Christ is going to be... Springing forth in this third great awakening in this nation, which has already begun. We're in the beginning phases of revival, folks. Andrew said, my friend Andrew Womack said a couple weeks ago, he said, I heard like 20,000 churches aren't going to reopen after COVID. He goes, and we're all like, you know, and he goes, I think that's good. <laughs> He's kind of like that. And he said, ah. If these poor children of God have been sitting in dead churches all this time, he said, they don't need to open back up. <laughs> Folks, I, I know some of those churches and not where people are taken advantage of terribly and where they think all that, uh, everything, that all the beautiful things that God does, healing and and uh, prosperity and all that. And it all passed away with the apostles. And they teach that. They don't allow. They don't allow. <laughs> anything of God in their church. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about the little boy. Who sat outside the church window. Because he liked the music. And 
And the Lord spoke to him one day. He said, what are you doing? He said, I've been trying to get into this church for a few years, but they won't let me in. He was the wrong color. God said, that's all right, son. They won't let me in either. (laughs) Revival is coming, though, folks. And we're preparing. If you're called by God, I believe everybody... When they, if they go to church, they should be going there prayerfully. Everybody has an assigned place in the body of Christ. I honestly know that to be true. And if you go where you're supposed to be planted, you will prosper. You will grow. You will serve. You will be happy. Amen. And so, if you're called to this church by God then you're as much a part of it as I am, you see. This is not my church. This is the body of Christ. Holy Ghost runs this place. So, if you've been called here, then you got a place on the bus. You can't drive it. That's my job. But... But just by making yourself available and being faithful to this body of believers, submitting to the vision of Grace and Truth Church, loving Jesus, loving your church family and me, you have a place. You got a place on the bus. You have to find out. The Holy Spirit will reveal to me and to you, and He'll make room for your gift. That's the way it works. That's the way He works. Amen. Amen. And I'll continue to establish and strengthen the vision of this house. See, I used to think the vision had to be, you know, we had to see far off and see the big plan. That's not, that's not true. God doesn't show me all that. He shows me what to do with what we got, when we got it, where we got it. He puts broken people in broken situations and broken places and does amazing things. That's God. He likes to use the foolish and despised things of this world to confound the wise, he says. He's awesome. So I'm going to continue to know those who labor amongst us. We're going to grow. The body belongs to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the steward of everything that the Father and the Son have. And He guides me. And if you're called here, then like I said, your gift will make a place and you'll be utilized. So please, pray for me. And I'll always continue to pray for you. Always do anyway. I prayed for you before I ever met you. And especially now that I've seen you, I've... I see all your faces as I pray, and I pray for you. When God shows me specific things, I pray specifically. When He doesn't, I pray in general. And it's the good stuff. Amen? Amen. The fivefold ministry is the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Those are the ministry offices written in heaven. Amen? You may not be called to one of those. Most people aren't. You don't want to try it if you're not called because it'll kill you. It's hard enough. 
with God's blessing. <laughs> but I want to share with you some things you may not know. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, talks about the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in all of them. They still exist, very much alive in the church. Anyone that tells you they don't, they're a liar. And I mean it like so rough, but uh, that's just a fact. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on those. I have to. I have in the past, but but I just I want to I want to tell you how to kind of easily remember them. There's more than one way, but we call these the say, the know, and the do gifts. You ever heard of that? They all belong to the Holy Spirit. And He distributes these gifts as He chooses. When He chooses, through whom He chooses. It could be anyone, as long as you make yourself available. He's not going to force you to be used by Him in any way. Ever. He's not like that. But if you... if you, if, if The Bible says to eagerly desire spiritual gifts... And so if you're asking him for them and you're saying, I'm available anytime you need to use me. You want me to prophesy to someone something to encourage them or to bless them. You want me to lay hands and heal somebody. Just pick me. That's the kind of conversations that you should be having with God if you want those sort of things in your life. But they're all for the edifying, for the building up of the body of Christ. The saying gifts are the vocal gifts. They sometimes call it a prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The no gifts are gifts of knowledge, the mental gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. That's one that people get confused a lot. Discerning of spirits is just a knowing, sometimes by sight, Sometimes by impression of spiritual gifts that are working in or around someone. Good or bad. Some people think they have the gift of discernment. <laughs> we all should have discernment. But they have, think they operate in the gift of discerning of the spirits. And really they operate in a gift of criticism. And that, that won't be allowed. If we ever correct anything around here, it's going to be loving correction. Amen? Amen. To help. To build up. Amen. Amen. Then there's the do gifts or the action gifts. And that's faith. This is a gift of faith. We all have the measure of faith that Jesus gave us. But there is a gift of faith that, um, well, if you ever meet somebody that walks in, in that, as a lot of evangelists do, it's a powerful thing. They'll walk up. They'll walk right up to you, and they'll they'll know that they know that they know something about. They'll tell you, and you'll go, "Oh God, that's God." There was a lady over in uh, at Victory one time. I was over there, and uh, anyway, the the pastor he was ministering and ministering, and he prophesied to a couple of people, and he got and he's like, "No, no, I'm not saying it." Anyway, the Lord was telling him to tell this woman something. He's like, he's arguing with the guy. I'm not telling him. I'm not doing that. And finally, he had to do it. He walked over and he, and he told this woman, he said, I saw you plucking the ducks. And she began to cry. 
and she told the story of how she was a little girl, and she was in uh, a Jewish labor camp during World War II, and uh, the Germans made her prepare food for them. And she recalled a time as a little girl that she was, she had had to kill a duck. You know, she's preparing food for them ducks in this particular case. And she was plucking the duck. And she cried out to God in an audible voice with tears running down her face saying, Where are you? And here all these years later, this minister's like, I don't want to say that. He goes over and he's obedient. And he says, I saw you plucking the ducks. And it just broke her heart in a good way. And he said, I, lo- I love you. I always have loved you. I was always with you. I'm, you know. And anyway, brought salvation into that woman's life. That's that gift, you see. That's <laughs> um, also a word of knowledge. Some of the gifts can work together, you see. Often do. So, faith... Healings and working of miracles. So those are the, the nine gifts of the Spirit. Um, if you want to operate in the supernatural, and you should, uh, it's, it's just not about being able to do things for your own glory or for entertainment. Or, it's all for the, the good of the people, for the good of God's people, for the building of the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Amen? That's the only reason anyone should want those things. And the Holy Spirit knows who you are anyway. <laughs> um, but I want to tell you, if you really want those things, and I know I know many of you personally, I know that you do. Just like I want to walk in a greater anointing for those things. And I have experienced some of that in my life, and I'm thankful for those times. And all the wonderful things that God has done in my life and but I always want more and there's nothing wrong with wanting more of God but if you want those things then you need to get a revelation of God's love for you they're connected then you'll understand how much he loves other people you see because if he can love you <laughs> I mean if you're like me it's like I should be last on the list but I hope I make the cut you know but if you get a real revelation of how much he loves you, which you can tell by the price that something of, that was paid for something, right? <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Then anyway, find out how much he loves you. It'll cause you to see how much he loves others. This will lead to compassion in your life. That's when these gifts will really take off in your life. I think I started to mention something last week, and like I sometimes do, I didn't finish my statement. And But anyway, that's what I was trying to tell you, is that I can remember times when I was praying, and I was overwhelmed with compassion and love for these particular people, and they were healed, and I knew they were healed, even when I wasn't present. And it was miraculous. But it was the most, sometimes I prayed and people were healed, and I didn't feel anything. So don't ever don't do it unless you have a feeling or a goosebump. That's not right. But compassion is something that ignites your faith. It doesn't move God. He, he's not stuck, okay? 
But that will lead to the supernatural. All right. Am I boring y'all? All right. Romans 14. I want to show you some other gifts real quick. Different kinds of gifts. Everybody has these. At least one. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. I'm going to try to hurry up here. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. These are what we call the motivational gifts. This is what motivates you as a person. And everybody has one. At least one. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in the exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. It finishes that. But these sort of have... You can give these sort of a name. And I've, I, I, I just want to run through these real quick. But the one that talks about the gift of prophecy, this is, this is, this is a motivator. This is someone that this person desires to motivate people to serve God. They, they want to bring out the gifts in these people and motivate them and inspire them to, in their service to the Lord. Okay? The second one is a servant. It, it, it's, it's called a minister in some of your translations. This person desires to meet the needs of the people on a practical basis. Uh, this person is the one who, in a restaurant or at a, 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 a dinner party at, at somebody else's house, they're, they're the one picking up all the dishes before any even finish eating. You know? And then they, they're stacking everything and cleaning everything up because they, they can't just sit there. <laughs> you know? Thank God for Sister Ann. I don't want to make the cakes every month. She makes great cakes, you see? <laughs> then there's the teacher. The teacher desires to study and prevent, pre- pre- present information to people. This person is always reading a lot of books. You know, they, they study in the Word. They're, they're always getting knowledge. And, and uh, the, the, these are the kind of people that will they sort of question everything. And, and they'll ask lots of questions sometimes. <laughs> they, if they don't, they have a lot of questions they want to ask. Uh, you know... They're the kind that they, they send me a, an email saying, Pastor, uh, I just have one question. Um, please list all the miracles of Jesus chronologically from the four Gospels. And, and if you can, I just have one more question. I, explain when the tribulation will occur, please. And uh, I have a few different perspectives on that myself, and I'd like to visit with you about it. But, but I'm not saying right now I know you're busy. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the teacher, you see. God bless them. We need them. And then there's the encourager. The encourager or the exhorter. I, I, one of the first uh, ministries I was ordained into and they made me wear my collar backwards and all that. Uh, I had this thing, exhorter. I'm like, what the heck is that? He's like, are you, 
well, you know, you're in a line of all these other ministers that are going to speak, but you're going to go out and exhort the people. I'm like, I had to, okay, sure. <laughs> exhort. <laughs> it's an encourager. <laughs> these are people who love to admonish and encourage people, actually. They always are going to encourage you, though, no matter what. You know, you go to them. I lost my job. Oh, that's all right, sweetie. You're going to get a, God's got a better job for you. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I just I just got my new car and I just I had somebody hit it at the grocery store with the basket. Oh, thank God. Just be glad because now you got your first dent. You don't have to worry about taking care of it, protecting it so much. It's a good thing, sweetie. Don't worry about that. Oh, all my hair fell out. Oh, you look so much better, bald. That's the thing now, you know. Just always got something. Good people to be around, you know. The, the giver the giver just contributes. This is a person who desires to meet people's needs on a financial basis. They, they love to help people financially, but they're not going to help someone who isn't going to uh, work hard or uh, obey scriptural principles because they know that if they do, that person will just end up in the same predicament later on, you see. So they want to help them. They don't mind giving the money, but they also want to give wisdom and counsel to truly help the person, you know. And then there's the administrator. That's the one that calls a leader. Uh, it's a leadership position, administrator. Uh, this person desires to, to lead people through uh, great organizational skills, they're, they're they're very organized. This is a, a, a leader. Not I'm not I'm not one of these, and I thank God for them. I need more of them in my life. But they love to help people. But they're an organized administrator. They're very analytical. Our our, our daughter Samantha, I remember <laughs> when she was about ten or eleven years old. Uh, she had this uh, breakdown, and we didn't. We thought we had to, you know, run to see what the fire was. You know, she was just crying and just said, "Oh my God, the world was coming in. What's wrong?" Well, she'd been working on a school project, and it had you had to come up with some things for like all the letters, I think, of the alphabet. I lost my Z's. <laughs> she had lost her Z's, and it was she. Everything had to be just, this kid was like perfect in school, you know, all that. Everything just had to be organized and in order. She'd spent all this time and now she lost her Z's. And it was an easy fix, but to her that was, can't have that out of place. That's, so that's fixed. Everybody's life needs to stop, you know. We, we got to get this straight. And, uh, you know, I think of uh, Megan is the name of uh, our office manager and she, she she takes care of all the all the paperwork and the files and all the organization. She it's like you want to talk to the boss or the woman that knows what's going on. That's what I tell people. You call her if you really want to know what's happening, and then she motivates and tells the the bosses what to do. Right. So, and that's that's the truth. But I remember one time, I, uh, Tavana, I was having new cabinets and and uh, and all kind of stuff done in our home. And I told, uh, I told her somehow, I don't know if it was one of our Christmas dinner, I said, Tavana, when I went to, uh, you know, you got to, at some point you get new cabinets built, you got to put the knobs on them, right, and the handles. Tavana decided she wanted all different ones. 
in the whole house. And so I said, okay, that's fine with me. And uh, when Megan heard about this, she said, that would drive me crazy. <laughs> See, it would. That, that kind of person can't handle that. And I think that makes Devonna very happy. I think that's why she does it. That's what she wants. <laughs> Devonna's the kind of, she like, all different, the underdog, you know, this and that. She just, she's quirky like that. But if she knew it really drove somebody crazy, she'd really, <laughs> she'd think that was awesome because she, they need to get over their self, right? But anyway, they're just different folks, you know. <laughs> but everything has to be organized with this person. But see, the good thing is this person can oversee hundreds of people. Keep it all very organized. I, I pray for all these kind of people, these gifts, indeed, to, to come forth because I need them. I, I'm the least organized person you probably know. And I hate it. See, this is the person that just takes joy in it, you know. It's like the CPA, you know. You just go in their office and there's a thing. Yeah, I'm like, ah. that, I walk near all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, you know, ah, put it off for another week. My taxes are never on time. You want me to file an extension, Mr. Brock? Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's <laughs> just because I hadn't got around to it. So that's the administrator. Then the last one is the sympathizer. This person is uh, merciful. They identify and sympathize with people. And this is a beautiful gift. They want um, to just, you know, they feel they feel very deeply. You know, they're very sensitive to people's pain and, and, and the things they're going through. And, you know, these are the kind of people you want around you, the the encouragers and the, the sympathizers you want when you're going through something. You know, not the prophet. You don't want him. <laughs> they don't help. But these gifts will reveal themselves. You see, that's what I'm talking about. These, All of you have one of these gifts or more. And, and so as time goes by and, and, you, and, you, and your desire grows to be a blessing and to serve, you know, because you don't just come just to... You know, just to receive, which is good. You come to feed on the Word of God and all that. But to be a part of a body and to grow. And as you grow and love the family of believers that you're with, you'll, you'll want to serve, you know. And then as we begin to touch, uh, you know, reach out and to make a difference in locally and nationally and, and so forth, and, and you'll get excited about that. And you'll just want to, you know, you just want to play your part. And the thing is, you already have been doing it, you see. That's how it's identified. It's just when God calls you to do something, it's usually something you've already been doing. None of the great leaders from the Bible, you see, they, they didn't wait till they were called to, to that gift. They were already doing it on some level, you see. But you can, like, say you have a, they'll really come to light. You have a, like a church meeting or a church committee. Ugh. But 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 that, that that's when you'll see it. See the the, the leader, the, the leader or the administrator, he'll be leading the meeting. You see, and he's been working on this. He'll have a he'll have to pass out an agenda. He's been working on it all week, you know, and it's a very meticulous and it's all it's important that everything has to go just according to plan. And then he'll he'll bring up the first items. Okay, so and so, brother, so and so lost his job. Okay. <laughs> And then, right when you bring up a person and a situation, then all the gifts kick in, right? So, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so the prophet, he says, well, he may have sin in his life. We're going to, we need to talk to him about that because, but, because once he gets the sin out of his life, then God can help him. So he really wants to help, but that's just the way he's going to go about it. But the, then the teacher says, well, if he'll do the five steps in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, you know, because God tells you how to do everything, even about getting a job. He said, then he, he will get a job. He's due first st- steps in, in, in 1 Timothy 3. And then the encourager, see, he's already over there. He's he got his phone out. He's he's over there texting him. He's like, it's going to be all right, brother. We're going to get you another job. And uh, don't you worry about it. And uh, and the giver, the giver, he says, he's, he's like, let us, let's take up an offering for him. I'll give the first hundred, you know, he's already doing it. And the, the servant, see, he, he's already he's already left the meeting to go buy groceries for the guy and calling somebody to go mow his grass, you see. And then uh, the, the mercy person that is over there in the corner, they're just over there crying, you see. And so the gifts just reveal themselves <laughs> wherever you are. But people are really hurting, folks. You know, I love coming here. I, there's never a time, like I tell you, when I, I don't just, I have to fight the devil off to, you know, I'm like, what, what, what am I doing? What am I doing going to talk to these wonderful people, you know? They're going to see what a hypocrite I am. The devil is just really... Yeah. The thing is, you know his tactics. The more you know his tactics, the more you prepared to fight him off, you see. And once you snap, you go, hey, that's not God. Because I know how much God loves me. And I know he doesn't, he doesn't call those that are qualified. He qualifies those he calls, you see. See, if you start realizing all these things, you start telling that old devil just to shut up. You know? But you need to be close to the Lord. I was thinking yesterday, you know, we like coffee in my house. I used to not drink coffee, but now I know what a wonderful gift from God coffee is. And uh, Tavana's got a sign in the kitchen there that says, All I need today is a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. And <laughs> But I just wonder, because I, I see so many people hurting in so many crisis situations, and crisis after crisis after crisis, and I just want it's like, you know, are you are you just adding a little bit of Jesus to your coffee, you know? Because really incorporating him into your life is not really gonna it's gonna keep you living crisis to crisis. God does work miracles. He loves you. He's worked a bunch of them just to keep you here alive to today. I know he did with me. But really he wants you to live and miracles are not his best. They're his best when you need one. <laughs> but why isn't a miracle God's best? Because it requires a crisis. You see? And he doesn't want you living crisis to crisis. He wants you to live the blessed life. Where his blessing runs you down, overtakes you, and tackles you. Basically, is how the Bible describes it in the Greek. So, I just think that we need to start having our coffee with Jesus, you see. His coffee, at His table, in His house, being His family, His children, everything we have, everything we do, wrapped around Jesus, because He's never going to steer you wrong. In Matthew chapter 7, He 
talk, Jesus talks about building on the rock. I'm not going to open But we need to build our lives on the rock. The solid, firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Anything else is just shifting sand and it's going to wash away when the floods come, you see. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the path. And I'm done. You need to understand God's love for you so that you can understand your spiritual makeup. Then you can understand how God sees you. Then you can understand your identity in Christ. Without a revelation of spirit, soul, and body, everything is just left to the soulish realm and the physical and the natural, and it's not going to help you. Then you can understand the true nature of God. Then you can understand your spiritual authority. You see? All of that's necessary so you can revolutionize your relationship with God. All of that's required. That's what you're getting. Revolutionize your relationship with God so you can be empowered to overcome any attack of the enemy at any time. And so that you will have the ability to minister to anyone at any time about anything. That's my goal. How's that sound? You understand the vision? You understand the mission? Stay the course. Stay the course. God has great things in store for you. And He loves you. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your amazing love. Your amazing grace. Thank You for Your peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Help us to understand that we have all that on the inside of us. And we need to learn how to draw it out. All the things, all the healing, all the prosperity, all the peace, love, and joy we will ever need for this life, we already have. You have already put on account for us, and we just need to learn to use the faith that you have given us as the dipper to draw from the well the grace that you've provided through the atonement. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Thank you for the help that you are giving us, all the healing everywhere we hurt, the empowerment through your promises, your love. And your prosperity so that we can go and help others with that same help that we've received. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.